0: If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. For all of the resources mentioned in this episode, check out our show notes
1: at rebelgururadio.com/episode10.
0: In this episode, we explore commonly misunderstood spiritual concepts like angels and karma. Discover how karma truly works. And how it affects your spiritual awakening and incarnations. Then learn what tools you need to stay conscious and avoid spiritual stasis. Enjoy.
1: So I was kinda of like trying to decide where do I want to take tonight? Where what do I want to, to teach and, and, and bring it and what's of value and, and what not. Let me start off by saying for those who don't know me very well, I can definitely hear people will say he's kind of arrogant or he's in your face kind of like with his personality and all these things. I am not the guru, teacher, enlightened person, call whatever you want. I don't like any of those terms, although I have those terms used for me all the time. At this point, i have like, okay, I'll run with whatever you want to call me this week, good, bad, and indifferent. I believe that Most people who have a spiritual path are in a fight for their life. I think that they don't know it, but they are spiritually dying, okay? And I am not going to be the coddling kind of spiritual foo-foo teacher. I'm not going to be the person to stroke your back and tell you, feel the love, feel the energy, soft kitty, warm kitty crap. (laughs) I ain't going to do it, okay? I am a warrior. I am here to serve the universe. If anybody wants to try to measure my love for, for God, I guarantee you it'll, it'll crush everything, okay? Uh, my love is true, and it's, it's 100%. Uh, at the end of the day, I like to keep it real. I like to think that I'm intelligent. I'm scientific. I love logic. I will debate on any level you want as far as science goes. It still all goes to the same place as far as I'm concerned. There is a universe. It's intelligent. It's called God. Okay, uh, and if I thought any other way, I'd be the first one to say, okay, I'm an atheist. I have not come to that conclusion ever, and if I did, wonderful. I don't have a decision one way or the other. It's simply just a fact in my reality. So I believe that most people get into a stasis of security spiritually at some level that they feel is their comprehension level. And they can't move from that. One of the things, and I don't want to offend anybody in any way, but I hear a lot of people, and it just, it just drives me nuts. You know, I have a guardian angel. Okay, my guardian angel's looking out for me. It's doing all these things. And the problem I have with that, and to be somewhat sarcastic, I do have a lot of people to amuse, is exactly who here wants to be someone's guardian angel forever? for their entire life? Do you knit in the corner with your feathers kind of furled up against the thing rocking, you know, waiting for something to happen? Oh, 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 the stove's gonna catch fire. I mean, what is the responsibility of an intelligent being, such as a guardian angel, that their job is to guardian you? I mean, that's there. I mean, did somebody want to die and become a guardian angel? And that's like, okay, you have a, a stamp card and like, what you have somebody to do shifts with, or you're just sentient, always there, and you can be across the universe. And some the house plant is caught fire. Okay, I got to come across the cosmos now and go go deal with that. So they're they're okay. It's a wonderful thought, and it brings kind of relief to one's self of comfort, and that's really what it's about okay who wants to to be fearful in life life is pretty crazy as it is okay but when i find people cling to certain ideas that they build their 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 consciousness around i find that they're stagnating they're not really evolving to the level of what they could do as spiritual beings I think that we have a a responsibility, and that is to evolve our consciousness, to evolve our spiritualness, and to utilize that spiritualness in the favor of God, the universe, and that is life the preservation of life, the expansion of life, and that our job is to recognize really awful neg- negative energy on the most rudimentary level and to do everything we can to move that energy out of other people's lives, out of the world's life, call it whatever you want, okay? This can get on a daily level with people or it can get on the big picture. That's a very simple way to look at it to give a, a sense of that idea, okay? So... When I see people with certain spiritual beliefs, it's not that I don't understand it. It's not that I think it's not of value. I just think, how long have you stayed at that level, and when have you matured in your thinking or understanding and your usefulness of what you can do with that? I also have issues with with people who pray for people, okay? Now, hear me out on this, okay? I believe thought is an effective thing. Thought affects other people. If you will something, you can have a negative or positive effect on other people. People feel you. There's mothers who wake up in the middle of the night. There's something wrong with my kids. Something just happened. There, there's this interconnectedness. There's things when you know something's wrong with another person in your life. It doesn't have to be a sibling or something. You just know they're connected to you somehow. When people pray, you know, I'll have a, a Christian's friends or something. that will be like, we're going to pray for you. And I'm like, oh, 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 on that thought, okay, <laughs> what exactly will you be praying for me for? Like one, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be like, Jesus, you know, I mean, what, what are you seeding into my, my innocent, vulnerable mind, you know? Um, so it's, it's ideals. It's people's values. It's, it's a value war. Uh, if you're Muslim, you're going to want people to think Muslim. If you're Hindu, you want people to think Hindu. If you're Christian, you want people to think Christian. And you think this is good. This is the best thing. You've determined that. And I'll be like, okay, what is your credentials? What is your education? How have you decided this for me? Okay, do I get to weigh in in this? And you're like, no, we're going to pray for you. Okay, we're going to pray that you come around to how we want you to think or believe. Okay, so to me, this is a conscious war. This is a mind war in a sense. And so this is something where everybody has to decide what their, their level of feeling is. Now, I don't really care what they're doing. Now, I know their intentions are good. I just think it's a little misguided. But I'm like, okay, if that's what you want to do, I think you want the best for me. So I'm okay with that. But thought is addictive. Thought is a, a battle. Thought is things that control one's mind. And when you become more spiritual, you become more sensitive. You become more intuitive. We, as spiritual people, often forget that we are often affected by other people by their emotions, by their ailments, by their, their psychological state. And we sometimes take that into our own personality. It's like we reflect it, but we are not paying attention to ourselves. And in so doing, we start to act or function in a way that's not natural to us, and we assume that's, that's just what, how, where we are today, okay? And so, again, being conscious of these things are very important. And of course, I've forgotten the whole purpose of why I'm talking about all this at the moment. But anyway, so thought is important. The Wi-Fi is important. To think about the fact that there's a collective consciousness, one has to ask themselves exactly what is in this collective consciousness. It's, it's, if it's a collective, it's a collective of what? So we throw around these words like, I understand what a collective consciousness is. I understand when you say Wi-Fi. But really, in essence what, what is in it? It's like a, a, is it a hodgepodge? Is it, is it, is it it like chemically polluted? We can't drink it now. I mean, it just looks good. I mean, we really don't think about that. We think about the fact that there's a collective consciousness, but we don't really think about how it's affecting us or how we're affecting it. We talk about it and people pray into it. People have different values going into it. It's a hodgepodge of consciousness and in so, we choose kind of what we're pulling out of it, and we kind of can choose what we're contributing into it. The problem is is that I feel that most spiritual people do not actively, willfully, intentionally set the time aside to put what I consider the best progressive energy into that hodgepodge. I think they let it run on remote control, and they isolate it with, "Oh, I'll pray for you," or, you know, guardian angels," or something like this. Whereas I think people need to think more technical when they approach that or put a greater depth of of time or interest into it. Like you would want to explain something to your child. Do you just shoo them along with a simple answer or do you sit down and try to explain why something happened in an accident to a family member or something that's maybe a little bit beyond them, but in a way that they can better grasp what's going on? So am I keeping everybody's interest now or are we waddling around? All right. Does anybody have any questions? Well, I have two quick questions. One, sure. you said about guardian angels.
0: Yes. And I've heard people say that it could be your higher self, uh-huh. which is a different way of thinking well, then about it. If it's it. your
1: higher self, then why not call it your higher self? When you call it a guardian angel, it invokes ideas of wings and biblical levels. And some people have different religious views. Mm-hmm. Again, it's the same thing with the pyramid. Words are powerful. And words can, can create... Uh, concepts of thinking into other people, and you didn't even realize that they're not thinking what you're thinking. So I think that often that every person in this room is really a teacher. I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. And it's our responsibility to, to in a sense, uh, use our uh, ability in the best way that we can, and, and people who want this kind of knowledge be able to, to give it to them if they want it. But how we say things and how we communicate, it really comes down to those details. So when one say it's their higher consciousness, I'm all for that. I can live with that.
0: Yeah. And I have one more quick question. When mm-hmm. she was talking about, you know, the protection. Yeah. Because I'm very empathic. Okay. And yeah. this is something I struggle with. Yes. And, and I've is, tried yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, do you guys have, like, a special program for that? Absolutely.
1: I haven't a clue which one it is because I've done so many of them. <laughs> okay. They're all sort but I believe any one of my staff can probably nail that down for you. What, what would that be in? High guard? This is one of the, the backdrops to me. I wish I could be a simple teacher and just be like, you know, feel the light. It's all good. And there's a truth to that, okay? But for me, I, I want to know why. Why, why, how come? that I got to, like, really break it down. And to me, that's what makes somebody very robustly powerful, if you will. Not power and like, I'm powerful, but someone who's truly, absolutely dialed in. It's this level of confidence and guidance in your own abilities, and the work that you do is based on your absolute understanding of your creation, your, your ability to have an effect. So, in essence, um, you know, to say that cutting the cords would just be good if you're empathic. Okay, I wouldn't necessarily say cut down just the cords. Okay, empathic is when you begin, for those of you, and I'm pretty sure everybody probably knows in this group what what empathing is, but um, it's to basically feel the emotions of other people. And there's a lot of people who are spiritual who don't have a clue that they're doing it. And they don't know why they get depressed or why they get anxiety or why they get nauseous and all of a sudden feel like they're going to throw up. And other times they can feel elated, but it's usually that's the one that's good. That's usually the one that we don't gravitate to because it's like a concerning level, We're always looking for something's wrong. And so we, we take that on, you know, uh, at the end of the day, that's what empathing is. You're feeling what other people are feeling. It's actually a precursor to telepathy. Most people think that telepathy is to hear words in your head from another person, as I was saying just the other day. It's not at all. Telepathy is actually empathing, and you're really kind of learning to train to focus on it better, and it's someone sending an emotion or an idea or a thought. If I were to to send this thing to you, you would say, oh, I'm getting a, a hankering. But if you weren't calling it a hankering, you were looking at it empathically instead of emotion, you'd be like, what, what is this? It has a feeling. It has it. And you'd be like, oh, my God, it's a bottle of water you're thinking about. And they'll be like, oh, my God, you're psychic. OK, so that's that's a precursor to the next level. OK, and it gets harder because but empathing is picking up others uh, feelings and emotions, whether you want to or not. Often it's, it's you just kind of take it on. It's like your sensory is very strong. So what I would say to people is simply take your fingers and just put them right below your belly button, OK? And if you think about the touch there, the neurosystem system there has a very um, kind of like drawing in your aura. It's like brings your energy in. It doesn't make it collapse or anything. But it's, it's kind of saying, it, aura is like, like fingers coming out. It's like a static fuzz. And it actually goes up to 32 feet, give or take, OK? And this is how you could be in a room, and all of a sudden you're like, there's somebody here, and you're looking, and you can feel this person coming in the door or something. You're like, How did you know that? Or what? This is because you're this static field, the Wi Fi bubble has different grade levels for whatever you're doing. And that's what's happening. You, you're feeling or touching their static field as it's coming in, it's sharing data. And they may not even be in the door. You keep looking, and you can feel them, but they're not there. And it turns out they were talking on the other side of the door to somebody for a while. And you're thinking, Well, maybe I'm just nuts. Ten to one, you're not. This is that self-doubting that collapses us uh, spiritually where you've got to trust your senses. There's usually a reason that's beyond being able to see organically. Okay? There's, there's stuff going on maybe that you're not aware of. So trust them more. So by thinking about just the physical touch, not just the location, but your fingers touching just below your belly button, the neural system trying to define what that touch is, even for a matter of seconds, begins to pull that energy down. It, it starts to say, "Bring your fingers in, move that sensory in." So if you're empathing, ten to one, you're feeling somebody else who's who's got a an energy. When when you think about people who are depressed or anxiety or ill or whatever. There's usually, there's the nurture, and women do it mainly with empathy more than males because it's, it's a natural, uh, you know, uh, nurturing kind of uh, energy from them, you know. Women are, are, are healers, let's, let's face it, okay. You guys, you know, create life for crying out loud. It's no easy task. And so there's a sense of, of caring. And so when that empathic energy starts to move out, it's seeking it out unconsciously, okay. So when you start to feel like, okay, I, there's not much I can do with this situation and I need to be in the right place, the fastest thing is to simply just touch there with your fingers, hold it for a few seconds, and you'll, you'll feel like kind of, um, if you do it right now, everybody, if you, it's just like the hands, but different. If you put your fingers there and you just think about the feeling, just your two fingers there, just hold that feeling, think about them. My hands are really cold right now, so it feels cold with touch. Okay, as you're doing that, You will feel, um, it's almost like in the back of your spine, like this a little bit of heaviness almost. It's very gentle, but it starts to bring you down, okay? And it, it pulls you in. Now, in this case, there's so many of us, we're all thinking about a lot of stuff. It's a little bit more difficult than normal. But if you just do this in other circumstances, you'll realize how fast it grounds you down. Same things if you start to hyperventilate. They always show breathe in a bag. That's because your breathing controls your brain thought. You will notice if you're thinking a lot, you're breathing faster. If you just consciously think about your breathing slowing, your mind will slow down, and when your mind slows down, it is the controller of your energy. So your energy also calms down. It's like a turbulent kind of sea, and it brings it back in. So breathing is critical to 99% of all meditations. Um, Control your breathing, control your mind, control your energy. So I hope that's of some help.
0: Do you believe that we have soul contracts or agreements, uh-huh.
1: uh, and that we are able to to break them if we if we choose to? Well, that's like karma. I mean, that's pretty much very similar. Okay. Um, I I I. The reason why I'm hesitating is I'm trying to decide how I want to approach this because it's one of those things where I always say I'm a walking contradiction. I'll say no, I don't believe in that, but I believe in this, and you're like, well, what the hell is the difference, okay? So now I've got to get into those details because on a simple level, most people don't really think there's a difference, but when you really start getting down to nuts and bolts of it, there comes this reality of I totally get it now, this, this makes sense, why, okay? The reason why, for, let me start off, I don't believe in karma, okay, and we'll, we'll grind into to what you were asking is uh, at one point in my youth, I had come across, uh, uh, like, Hare Krishnas. I'm sure everybody's familiar with them, okay? And I engaged into a series of talk over uh, several days with them. I was living in L.A. at that time, and I decided I really, really loved Indian food from the Hare Krishna place. They make the best food if you ever had it. It's, like, really good. And, of course, they lure you in with great food, but they want you to hang out for chit-chat. There's always a catch, Okay? So I, I keep saying we ought to just put out pizza, you know, and just run the routine. Anyway, so in, in the, the, the process, I began having conversations. And what happened was is that the normal uh, uh, higher Christians, if you will, began to have people who were wearing more fancier kind of robes. And I noticed that like, they were getting a little older and they were circling me more. And the younger ones were backing off because they couldn't quite answer the questions I had. And so um, eventually got to the point where they were asking me to if I, I should become a Swami?" And I'm like, "Why would I become a Swami if you can't answer my question? Don't you think you should answer the question first? And then I'll be like, "Holy shit, I'll become a Swami. This is great." Uh, they simply couldn't answer it, and they told me they couldn't answer it. And one of the things I'll, I'll give you an example is, is that they believe that if you eat meat because they're vegetarians, that you will incarnate as a tiger, OK? If you uh, uh, you know fornicate or do anything sexually, you know, uh, and promiscuous, not with your your married wife, and you happen to look at another woman, you're going to come back as a tree. And I'm just like, okay. So m- my thing is, you can't just say I, that's 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 doesn't make any sense. You you've got to break it down. And so I'm happy to break it down. I'm like, okay, a tree. Does not have necessarily a sense of time like we do as human beings. So it could live for 50 years or five days. It has a level of intelligence, but not the sophistication that we're at. Okay? So where is the punishment if you don't remember how long you were being punished? Okay? I don't get it. If I eat meat to punish me, now I'm gonna come back as a tiger and gorge myself on (laughs) meat. OK, wherein lies that punishment, OK, right? So my punish would be, I have to eat it rare, because I really prefer well done, OK? So I, there it would be. But, but then I have to have enough self-intellect to be able to reflect on that fact that I never got to eat it well done. I've always was punished. But I don't understand what punished was or the length of time I lived as a, as a cat eating raw meat. So if there's not a level of reflection, Where is the realization that comes from from that, okay? So now, when you say, you know, do I believe in a contract, okay? No, I I don't necessarily believe in a contract. I mean, there are certain belief systems out there that that do, okay? And you really, you know, it's not fair to judge any one belief unless you really kind of throw yourself into it and really study it and have a good understanding. Then you could say, okay, this is why, if you don't get a good answer. There it is. Okay, but it's also exhausting. So you got to decide whether you want to go down that road. If you do, be prepared for the long haul. So, having said that, when one thinks of a contract and it's a thousand-year contract, is a thousand-life contract, is a hundred-life contract, is a two-year contract, whatever it may be, I think it's very narrow-minded in a certain way because it's to me it's no different than the tree or the lion. I see the universe. And everything it holds to learn we know nothing we really don't really know much as a human being we're reflecting on life and we're interpreting the entire existence of our soul okay from a very humanistic perspective and it's very human to think oh there's a written contract or there's a verbal contract there's a spiritual contract there's a contract okay really a contract okay So I'm committing to something, even though in my next life I may not have any idea I committed to this. Well, that's like punishing your children's children for something you did, or you're being punished for your grandparents' grandparents uh, that you have. I mean, you're committing. So so one day you wake up and you realize, I have a total revelation. I'm being punished for this reason, because nine lives ago I did this and this, and I signed that damn contract. Why did I ever sign that damn contract? Okay? I don't think the universe is so simple in a sense, okay? But here comes that, that double standard I have, okay? <laughs> when people ask me, do I believe in heaven? The answer is yes and no again. Okay, do I believe in hell? I say, well, we are in hell technically, as far as I'm concerned, okay? <laughs> I haven't figured out how to get off the rock yet, okay? <laughs> Unless a UFO comes by and I go, track to be with all my powers, little aliens, I'm taking over. Okay. So Having said that, one has to ponder upon what we consider the soul. Is there an afterlife to us? And I have said earlier, I don't believe everybody has a soul. And the reason why I don't believe everybody has a soul, because I don't think they gave enough time, they didn't give a shit to reflect on whether there is what they are. They just did life, they go out, they golf, they swim, they party, they bang, they do whatever they're gonna do, they gain their monetary, whatever, and they never sat down to say, what is the meaning of my life? What is, what is all this about? And they said, okay, I thought about it one day, and then I came to a conclusion that it's true that I get laid, or I get to make another you know, million bucks. It, there's a level of sense of what am I? What is my body? What is this machine? What, what is my consciousness? If you dial into the Wi-Fi, if you see a ghost, people say to me, you're a spiritual teacher. Why are you telling people to go into a haunted house so they can get freaked out? And I'm like, hey, you get freaked out. There's one thing. If it was a damn ghost, you're going to believe in life after death. So think about it, OK? Uh, it pulled me by my leg through the house. I'll be like, god damn, you're lucky, OK? If that doesn't confirm there's life after death, what the hell ever will, OK? <laughs> That's like, oh, okay, think about it. So it's, it's crazy, but this is, this is, you know, I'm a radical teacher, okay? I see things very differently. I'm like a scientist spiritualist, okay? So when one leaves the organic body, there's a process of things that happen very rapidly. Time moves very, 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 very quickly. You have to understand that you're no longer... Uh, uh, confined to an organic system I think of it like old wires like telephone wires versus Wi-Fi now or satellite okay we have all these brain synapses and all these chemicals that have to be produced by glands and we have to wait till they build up and do all the stuff so we can be reactive to them and stuff there's electricity going in there but there's a lot of chemistry also so when you leave your body the first thing is you need a vessel just like you have a physical body to go through this dimension when you meditate, when you practice the things that I teach and you work on bringing in prana, you're feeding yourself. You seem like putting food to your mouth and building from a little tiny, okay, from, from a womb you came out, you grew into this beast, you know, okay. You are doing the same thing. You're building inside of your body a coexisting consciousness, okay. It is a soul for better purposes, but it's really not a soul. It's simply another body that's able to contain the data of your consciousness, your memory, your lives, the, the things that you say, this is whom I am, okay? You change. You grow older. You're like, I look in the mirror all the time. I'm like, that is not how I look, okay? No. So, so the, the vessel changes, but the consciousness is still there. Hence the oldest thing to people when they grow older, they say, it don't look. My mother says, it may not look good, but in here I'm 20, okay? And I'm like, yeah, sure you are, mom, okay? But the truth is there, there's a level of truth to that. It's the body that tells you, you gotta slow down. So when we leave the physical body, if we prepared, if we self-reflected, even a little, there's this next generation of energy that moves this consciousness and can contain it into this ethereal level, into the Wi-Fi, if you will, okay? Without that Wi-Fi, remember, something has to contribute to the consciousness of the planet, just like all the cells in your body giving you the data to know what you know, okay? So there is a portion that has to go back to the Earth. That's the way I see it. And there's a portion, a small portion that I call the white cells. And these are the ones who go life after life. Like, you never catch the same cold twice. Why? Because that data is incarnating in a way. It somehow has a memory and it's incarnating into the next body. And goes, hell no, I fought you two lifetimes ago, you know. Uh, I know how to defeat you. So there's data. That's information. So, what happens is, is that where I kind of look at a gray area for karma, okay, is that I believe that we are all attempting to return home. That's something everybody goes, ah, okay. We know this intuitively, like breathing air, having to drink water. There's certain things we intuitively know. There's a sense of us that we want to complete ourselves. Like there's something that we come from and that we need to replace within us or replace within it to be back as one. This is intuitive. This is what I call God field, God consciousness, if you will. And so... I often think of it as, um, this is an awful, awful uh, uh, way to describe it, but I don't know if anybody's had, I think it's chicory coffee. And if you have chicory coffee and you let it sit, it kind of gets these four layers. There's, there's like really dark and murry, then kind of tannish red, and then red, and then clear or something like that. Maybe I have a reverse. It's been a long time since I drank too, and I remember looking at it one day. When one thinks about it in our way of thinking, okay, because dimensionally, it's, it's completely like different. But for us to understand this, think of it as being we are trying to move into uh, uh, acceptance into this next level of, of color, per se. And as we move upward, this is like the core of God consciousness. This is, if you want to call it heaven, if you want to call it whatever, I don't think there's cherubs up there. I think it'd probably be pretty cool. It'd be funny, but I I don't see it that way. It's a frequency. And the universe's creation is is, is really heaven. It's to explore. What, What are you going to do in heaven for the rest of eternity? I'd go insane. Shuffleboard? I mean, what? What do they do? So you explore the creation of the universe, the diversity of it. So... But the thing is, you you elevate in your consciousness your understanding by the frequency by which your, your energy moves it frequencizes, it vibrates. Your presence matches as close as it can to the, the, the source of creation, okay? And this is what we are trying to move back towards. We're trying to recreate that quality within ourselves, within our frequency, our, our compassion, our love for what was created. So to me... That's what we're doing. And sometimes you get it all wrong. You come back and you're a shithead. You know, call it Hitler, call whatever you want, okay? This is going to lower your octave significantly, okay? So now you're, you're kind of have this, everybody has a spiritual spark. Some have it stronger because they progressively are moving in the right direction and strengthening themselves and building it up so when they move from one life to the other or they, they have a little bit of decision now. You can, you, get, you can call some of the shots. You can, you know, decide a little bit. You get a, a sense. I always say you can fill the mass with the air to move you in a direction. You may not be able to choose because what fun would it be if you could say, I'm going to choose this life and I'm going to have that yacht and this place. You, you, you get to understand you get bored with stuff as a, as a sentient being. So you, you want kind of like, sometimes, I hate to say it, a shitty life is a challenging life. It's like a video game. If you play a video game, you always win. You, you're, you're not entertained no more. You're not challenged no more. You're not thinking no more. So if we exist, we, we want to have circumstances that we have to overcome. We have to learn from. We have to, to challenge ourselves, OK? This is what creates growth, consciousness, awareness, compassion, OK? That self-reflection on those decisions and how they change us. You know, some people, you know, I say, there's good things I've done, there's bad things I've done. I made good decisions and bad decisions. This is part of life. It's part of youth. It's, it's circumstances that you didn't realize with the circumstances you dealt with. I made the choice based with the situation as I seen it. Would I change it now? Older and wiser? Well, yeah, probably a lot of things. But it also is what makes me who I am. My, my sense of, of self, my sense of growth, my sense of awareness is based upon that by which I experienced the good and the bad. So one creates a frequency, and that frequency defines whether your consciousness moves upward or, or into a, a higher place of consciousness. And I would say that because of that, it could define by where you would move into in other worlds in the universe, other explorations. Uh, I think exploration is the gift from the universe, that we get to explore other worlds, other universes, other forms of life. And when that finally comes to the point where it becomes predictable, I'm like, okay, well, I'll just, you know, that's it. I've lost interest now.
0: This episode was recorded at a free Higher Balance event in Chicago. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge.
1: If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com.
0: When I was young, I recall sitting in the back seat of the family car as we drove somewheres, probably just to get away. I remember seeing the rivets of the back seat, the leather contour, the fabric and texture of the floor mat. I was small. I remember looking upward through the window, seeing the reflection of the glass of myself, a metal lining along the glass trim. I could only see the trees and the sky. Moving by. I thought I could touch it. So I did, reaching my hand out the window to touch it. I felt it. I felt the air pushing and moving beneath my hand and the warmth of the sun upon its back. I think it was at that moment I began to awaken. Knowing that sometimes when you want to find something, you don't always find it in the way that you think you're going to. You see, my hand, it moved against the wind, pushing, weaving, feeling it, touching it. The sun, warming, soothing, healing. Somewhere's in between, I flew. Higher balance, we think outside of the box, a new kind of spirituality, a new kind of meditation, a revolution in consciousness.